read about prayer, but you know what? You can read all the books in the world on prayer, but if you never pray, amen, reading the books on prayer is not going to do you any good. You've got you've to put into practice what you read. And I, I love to read and study about prayer, but, you know, it's just like, you know, it's just like uh, driving a car or, or swimming or anything else. You can read and study all the books how to do it, but there comes time you've got to actually get in the car and get behind the wheel and start the thing up and drive it. Amen. And that's the way it is with prayer. We can be taught, we can study it, but we have to put what we learn into practice and we have to actually do the praying. Amen. So this is our handbook. And everything that we need to know about prayer and everything that we need to know about being effective in prayer is in the Bible. It's in the Word of God. Now, how many of y'all realize tonight that we are we are in the new covenant. We are under the new covenant. And, um, you know, we're not living under the old covenant or under the old economy, but God has given us a new covenant, a new testament, and we are living in a, in a better day than what they lived in in the Old Testament. Now, how many of you will agree with that? We have a better covenant, covenant and we're living in a better day than those in the Old Covenant. And everything about the New Testament and the New Covenant that we are under today, everything is better than the Old Covenant. Now, you know, Paul said in Hebrews chapter 8, verse 6, that Jesus is the mediator of a better covenant that's established on better promises. And when you read the book of Hebrews, you'll find that the key word in Hebrews is the word better. Everything is better. Jesus is better than the angels. I mean, everything. He begins and starts out with everything being better. And we have a better covenant. We have better promises than those in the old covenant. Now, they had great results in prayer. You can study and read the prayers in the Old Testament, those Old Testament saints, and they had, great, they had great results in prayer. Many of them did. But if they had great results in prayer in the Old Testament, we should have greater results in prayer now that we are in a new covenant and under a new testament. Amen? We, we've got, we've just, everything's, you know, there's so, there's, the, there's so much. We have much greater benefits today than what they had under the old covenant because, why? Because of the cross, because of what Jesus did at Calvary, amen? He fulfilled the law. He fulfilled all of the types and the shadows and the sacrifices and everything. Jesus fulfilled all of that. And Jesus brought into force through his death and his resurrection and his ascension, he brought into force the, a New Testament. It didn't come in, the New Testament didn't come into force until after Jesus died and rose from the dead. And so under that Old Testament, under that Old Covenant, those people under that Old Covenant, they didn't have the relationship and they didn't have the rights and they didn't have the privileges that we enjoy and that we have under the New Covenant, all right? Now, now I'm setting a little, laying a little foundation here because I want you to see how that the benefits and the blessings and the promises that we have and how much better we have it when it comes to a prayer life because we're living under the New Covenant. 
Amen? It's so much different. Believe me, you better be glad. Jesus said those prophets, want, those Old Testament prophets, he told those Pharisees, he said they wanted to see the day that you're seeing right now, and they didn't get to see it. Amen? But those Pharisees rejected it and turned away from it. So there's so many wonderful, great benefits that we have because Jesus has shed his blood, he's died, he's resurrected, the sin debt has been t- paid, He's alive today, and he is seated at the right hand of Almighty God the Father. Amen. So we have now a relationship, and we have rights, and we have privileges under the New Testament that they didn't have. Those in the Old Testament did not have the name of Jesus to use like we have today. Therefore, under the old, under that old economy, there was more of a struggle that they had with evil spirits and with Satan and with the devil than what we have today. The powers of darkness gave them more of a hardship and a struggle than they do us today because they didn't have the authority in that Old Testament that we have as New Testament believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. Have you ever noticed there wasn't anything, there wasn't a whole lot in the Old Testament about Satan and evil spirits and demons? The most, the the biggest revelation that we see of the devil in the Old Testament was in the book of Job. There wasn't a whole lot in the Old Testament that, that, that the Lord gave to his people then about the powers of darkness because they really didn't have the authority to do anything about the powers of darkness then as we have. Now, there's a whole lot that has taken place, praise God, since Calvary. Come on, amen? Whole lot that has taken place. We have some authority today under the new covenant through with the, we've been given the right and the power of attorney to use the name of Jesus. We have the power of the blood of Jesus. We have the, the new covenant, the word of God, the New Testament, amen, that, that, that we have to live by. Jesus has done something. See, here's the thing. Between that Old Testament And that New Testament, Jesus came and he did something about the devil and demons and the powers of darkness. Are you hearing me? He did something about it. So we have privileges today that they didn't have and they didn't enjoy. So prayer is, is, is much different for us as New Testament believers than it was for those who were under the old covenant and under the old economy. How many is with me? See, the Bible said that Jesus came Uh, Paul said in Colossians 2.15 that he came and he spoiled principalities and powers, made a show of them openly, and triumphed over them in the cross. He triumphed. He spoiled the powers of darkness. He defeated Satan. Somebody said, well, you talk about that a lot. I'm going to keep talking about it because I want the devil to know we know it. I know it and you know it. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. He's defeated too many. He, he, he causes too many Christians to live defeated lives simply because they don't know that Jesus has already whipped him and stripped him and defeated him through the precious blood of Christ. Hallelujah. Amen. So he has defeated the enemy, stripped Satan of his authority, and Satan and demon spirits, and I need to slow down a little bit because I want us to get this, but Satan and demon spirits are defeated foes. 
Satan. Amen? They're dethroned powers. They are principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in heavenly places that, that we do spiritual warfare against, but they have already been dethroned and defeated by the Lord Jesus Christ. And He, Jesus, has given us the full armor of God. He, Jesus, has given us all power and authority over the powers of darkness through the Holy Spirit and through His name and through His blood. Woo! Glory to God. Now see, that's the good news of the gospel. That's the good news that, that, that we're to be giving to people. Nobody has to be bound. Nobody has to be defeated. Nobody has to live uh, cowering down to the powers of darkness under this new covenant. It's just knowing who you are and what your rights are and what Jesus has done for you and standing up and claiming that and walking in it and living in it. Praise be to God. Amen. Amen. So, so those powers of darkness have been defeated. We, under this new economy, under the new covenant that's been in effect for 2,000 years, a little over 2,000 years, we now have, have something that those Old Testament believers and saints did not have. We have been born again. They had their sins atoned for once a year. I don't, you know, we don't have time to go into all that. But we have been born again and redeemed by the blood of the Lamb from the power and the authority of Satan. Paul said in Colossians 1 and 13 that Jesus has delivered us from the power of darkness and has conveyed or translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son. We have been brought out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God, into the kingdom of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And so now we have something else that they didn't have under the old covenant, the Holy Spirit living and abiding on the inside of us all the time. They didn't have that under the Old Testament, amen? The Holy Spirit came on certain individuals at certain times for certain um, callings and jobs that He'd given them, but the Holy Spirit did not abide with them and upon them as He does in the life of the believer under the New Testament. Our bodies now, glory be to God, are the temples of the Holy Ghost. When Jesus died, hallelujah, God reached down and ripped that veil of that temple in two from top to bottom. And now God's Spirit does not dwell in a holy of holies on this earth. He dwells inside the body. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. They didn't have that in the Old Testament. Are you beginning to see maybe just a little bit of how privileged we are to be living in this day that we're living in today? That's why Jesus said the prophets wanted to see this day. That you're, and they, they missed, those Pharisees in Israel missed their visitation. They didn't realize what, what was there at their doorstep. So we now are born again and we are, we are sons of and daughters of God. Yes, we are. Amen? Amen? Hallelujah. Sons and daughters through the new birth. Yes, Paul said in Romans 8 that we've received the spirit of adoption yes, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. 
And the Spirit Himself, the Holy Spirit Himself, bears witness with our spirits that we are the children of God. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. No doubt about it. If you're, if you're saved, if you've come to Christ, you are a child of God. And you've got the Holy Spirit dwelling in you, letting you know, and bearing witness with your spirit. How many feel that witness right now? Just that since that witness, you know that you're a child of God. Amen? Somebody came to Brother Shambach one time and said, Brother Shambach, am I saved? He said, no. No, you're not. He said, well, you don't even know me. How do you know if I'm saved or not? He said, because if you were saved, you wouldn't be coming to me asking me, am I saved? You'd be saying, I am saved. you got the Spirit of God in you bearing witness with your spirit. Amen? So we just see, you know, and I'm just, I'm, like I said, I'm laying some foundation so you can see how much better it is to be a New Testament believer than it was for them to be an Old Testament saint under the old economy. So prayer then is an entirely different matter with us under the new covenant because of the victory that, uh, that Jesus won at Calvary and because of the defeat of Satan and because of our relationship with God the Father. As I said a while ago, we now have the blood of Jesus. We now have the name of Jesus. We now have the word of God, amen, the power of the Holy Spirit living on the inside of us. And Jesus has given us that power of attorney and given us the right to use his name, amen, and to use his name in prayer and to use his name against the the powers of darkness, and I'm telling you, you know, we, we need to get a hold of that and realize that, that there is power in the name of Jesus to break every chain, to break every chain, amen? There's power in the name of Jesus. So, you know, you don't use the name of Jesus just as some magic wand to wave around or some, uh, you know, some lucky charm like a rabbit's foot you carry around. No, you have to have faith in his name and know and understand that there's authority, that all the authority of heaven is in back of the name of Jesus. And through that name, he has given you and I authority, the right to use that name. Are you listening to me? Hallelujah. I'm about that. I'm just about to have a good time here tonight. You get a feeling what we're feeling tonight. You forget about you forget all about there's any kind of hockey game going on or anything tonight. Amen. Praise God. But you know, you you take a police officer, you, and here's a good illustration: a police officer that will get out here and start directing traffic. And he's got his uniform on. I know Sister Sandy's son is a police officer, and he's got on that uniform and that badge. And he gets out there and stands in the middle of a street, a busy intersection, and puts his hand up just like that. And a big, great big 18-wheeler will come to a screeching halt. Amen? Praise God. Now, I'm going to tell you, as far as power goes, that 18-wheeler's got a lot more power than that police officer does. He could squish him like a bug if he wanted to, amen, if he just kept going. But, but here's the thing. Even though the 18-wheeler's got more power 
physical power than the police officer. There's something the police officer has that the 18-wheeler and every other car out there obeys immediately, and that is the authority that's been given that police officer by the city and by the state in which he operates. And that uniform that he's got on and that badge says, I got more than just me. I got somebody else backing me up, and you better obey what I say or you'll have to deal with the higher power. Somebody needs to hear me tonight because listen, you're standing there clothed in the righteousness of Christ with the full armor of God and when you put up your hand and say, devil, that's enough, he needs to understand there's somebody behind you that he's going to have to answer to. There's greater authority and it's in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Woo, hallelujah. Man, I'm telling you now, that's shouting ground, isn't it? Woo, that's shouting ground. So we have so many privileges as, as believers and in the church, and we're living way beneath the privileges that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why... Satan's running roughshod. We were just talking about it before church of the, the, in, the influx of, of drug addiction and, and, and the condition of the world and of our community around here. And Satan's just, you know, just seems like having his way. And I think it's time that the church understand the authority that we have through the Lord Jesus and we rise up in prayer and in faith and begin to believe God, amen, and, 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 and do something, amen, do something about it, praise God. Prayer will do more, than any, prayer will do more, uh, do more about it than, than any protesting and marching and anything else, amen. We need, we, if we'd spend the time in a prayer closet or in a, or in a um, corporate prayer meeting that people spend with signs out marching, I think we'd get a lot more accomplished, all right? Now, we're not going to go there, but... Anyway, I want us to look, and, I, and I, just a few more minutes, and like I said, this will be several Wednesday nights, I'm sure, but I want us to look tonight, begin to look at five important factors about New Testament prayer because I've, I've tried to lay a foundation of what we have uh, under this new covenant and how much better it is than the old covenant. And in the new covenant, Jesus has taught us, the apostles have taught us, the Word of God teaches us, how to pray. So if we're, if we're coming to the Lord as, as that disciple came to the Lord and said, Lord, teach us to pray, he gave that disciple a pattern of prayer. But, and, and that's fine. But under the new covenant, Jesus has said a lot more. And the apostles have said a lot more. And there's a lot more that's been taught in the New Testament about prayer other than just the Lord's prayer. Are you with me? I'm not demeaning that. I mean, I, I, I love to teach on that, on the aspects of the Lord's Prayer, but there's so much more that's been taught in the Word of God. So I'm gonna, this is going to be real simple tonight. Is that all right? Real simple. So number one, if, you, you know, if we're going to pray effectively, one of the most important things, and this is just a basic, this is so basic, but so many times we miss this, but, but we need to learn that, Proper prayer 
is to God the Father in the name of Jesus. Are you with me? Go with me to go go with me to John chapter 16. Look at John 16 and verse 23. John 16. These are the words of Jesus in John 16, 23. And Jesus said this. And in that day, are you there? John 16, 23. They're having a little technical difficulty back there, looks like. But um, that's why you need to bring your Bible. John 16, 23, and in that day, notice that phrase, in that day. What day is he talking about? He's getting ready to go to the cross. He's talking about the day after, what we've just been talking about, in that day in the new, under the new covenant. In that day, you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father, in my name he will give it you. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. Now, Jesus is giving his disciples some instructions. This John chapter 14, 15, 16 was instructions that Jesus has given to his disciples right before the cross. He's getting ready to go to the cross and die and be raised again and, 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 and ascend to the right hand of God. And so here in the instructions that he's given them, he's telling them how they are to pray in that day, in the day that begins the new covenant when, when he's resurrected, he's seated to the right hand of God. Up until this time, when they needed, they needed something, they would come to Jesus and say, Jesus, this is what we need. Jesus had given them authority on the earth to go out and minister, to heal the sick, to cast out demons, that type of thing. And so, but now Jesus is telling them how they're going to, how prayer, their prayer life is to be in that day. Because Jesus, after his resurrection, seated at the right hand of the Father, Jesus becomes our mediator, our intercessor, our advocate, and our Lord. Is that right? Jesus is, let me say that again, Jesus is our mediator, our advocate, He's our intercessor, and He's our Lord. It is Jesus alone. He's the, listen, He's the only mediator between God and man. Paul said that, you know, there's one God. Paul told Timothy there's one God the Father and one mediator between God and man, and it's not Mary, and it's not the Pope, and it's not the priest. Come on, amen. Are you knocking that? You better believe I'm knocking that because that's false doctrine, amen. The only mediator between you, between man and God, is the man Christ Jesus. There is no other mediator. That's what Paul told Timothy. And so, as our mediator, Jesus said, In that day you will ask me nothing, but whatever you ask the Father in my name, he'll give you. One translation says, In that day you shall not pray to me. So, so this is a point that we need to make, and I want to clarify this that when it comes to prayer, 
when it comes to prayer, when it comes to asking for things, when it comes to having our needs met, when it comes to making petitions, our requests and our petitions, we are, according to what Jesus says, we are to make those petitions and those requests and ask those things of the Father in the name of Jesus. Jesus gets us into the Father. We are not to pray. Now, let, let me just change. Let me say it this way. It's fine to get into the presence of the Lord, to talk to Jesus, to love Jesus, to praise Jesus, to worship Jesus, to fellowship with Jesus. Do you know what I'm talking about? Tell Him how much you appreciate Him, how much you love Him, how important He is, and worship Him and praise Him because He is God. Amen? And so it's okay to worship Him and talk to Him. But when it comes to making requests and petitions to get something from God, Jesus said, don't pray to me, don't ask me. You pray to the Father in my name. And if you pray to the Father in my name, the Father will hear you and the Father will give you what you have asked of Him. Come on, somebody. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. We pray in the name of Jesus. And what's so awesome about that, I just was talking about the, the, how great it is that he's given us his name. But we pray in Jesus' name and his name, the name of Jesus coming through him as our mediator, our intercessor, our advocate, our Lord coming through Jesus gives us instant, direct access into the throne room of God to the access of the Father, our God our Father. They did, listen to me, they did not have that under that old covenant, did they? They couldn't go. Nobody, just plain old Joe like you or me, we couldn't just walk into the Holy of Holies and pull that veil back and say, I'm coming into the Holy Hey, there was some guys tried that and they didn't last too long. Come on, amen. You know what I'm talking about? Hallelujah. To a couple of the sons of Aaron tried to go in there with some strange fire. They were priests, but they were not allowed to go. They were not the high priest. They couldn't go in there, and they tried it, and zap! That was it. So they didn't have that privilege, but oh, do you understand the privilege that we have today? That we, at any place, at any time, oh, glory to God, that we so desire we can say, Father, I come to you right now in the name of your Son, Jesus. And do you know what? Whether you feel it or not, you are immediately and instantly right in the very presence of Almighty God, your Father. His ear is it. When you, when you come to Him and say, Father, I come to you in Jesus' name, your Son, Jesus, I come to you through Jesus, through the blood of Jesus. The Bible said we have boldness. Hebrews said we have boldness to enter into the very holy place by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And instantly we're there and God starts listening and gives attention. And he said, I'm hearing you, son. Come on in to my presence. Tell me what's on your heart. Tell me what I can do for you. Tell me what you need. Hallelujah. What a privilege that is that we have. Amen. What a privilege. The total access we have to the Father. And can I tell you this tonight, that the only prayer that God will recognize and the only prayer that God will listen to 
and the only prayer that God will hear is prayer offered in the name of Jesus. See, a lot of public events will allow people to pray. But they, well, and that's even getting less and less, but they'll say, don't use the name of Jesus. They just, well, not ask me to pray. Because if I pray, I'm mentioning Jesus probably more than once. Amen? See, Muslims pray five times a day. When I was in Kampala, we were not far where we were staying was not far from the huge mosque, the main mosque that's there in Kampala. And every morning, about 5 a.m., I would be awakened by the, the Muslims' call to prayer. They had it on the loudspeakers. You could hear it all over the city. And uh, their call to prayer began at 5 a.m. And I would hear that call to prayer every morning. And they, would all come, they would all, wherever they were at, you know, they, 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 get, they face... They, they bow down and face Mecca, and they, they offer their prayers to Allah. But you know all the praying, all the fasting, right. all the Ramadan, and everything else that they do right. is all futile and all useless, and it amounts to nothing. Because listen to me, Allah is not the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. He's not. I, you know, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what. I know you, get, you said, Brother Rick, you get in trouble for saying that. Well, it's the truth. It doesn't matter what any of our leaders say or any of our church leaders today. It doesn't matter what Rick Warren says about it. We do not serve the same God that the Muslims serve. Amen? Amen. Our God is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, and, and Allah doesn't have any son. Come on, amen? So all the praying, and I'm making the point that all the praying of the Muslims is futile because they are not addressing the true God, the Father, in the name of His Son, Jesus. And that's the only way to get the ear of the true God. You've got to come through Jesus. It's the only way of salvation. It's the only way of answered prayer. It's the only way that we get anything. Everything comes through the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? We do not pray. Listen, we do not pray to Mary. We do not pray to St. Christopher. We do not pray to St. Paul. We do not pray to St. Peter or any of the other dead saints. They can't hear your prayer. Amen. It's idolatry to have a, have a little St. Christopher uh, idols thing hanging on your mirror or whatever. That's idolatry. That They will not hear your prayer. Jesus said, go to the Father in my name, and I will make sure that you get the ear of the Father and you have access into the very throne room of God. Come on, amen? Only to the Father and only in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have privileges. Praise God. In Ephesians chapter 3, Paul has some prayers in Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 3 and uh, 1 and chapter 3, but he says this in Ephesians 3 and 14. He says, For this reason I bow my knees. Listen how he prays. 
to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth was named. See, when Jesus gave the Lord's Prayer as a pattern to those disciples, He didn't mention anything in the Lord's Prayer about praying in His name, did He? There wasn't anything about that. So there's a difference under the New Covenant. Jesus said, now in that day, that new day that's coming, you won't ask me anything but... Whatever you ask the Father, you ask Him in my name. And if you ask Him in my name, glory to God, He will hear and answer your prayer. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. i got to move on. i got, I got eight minutes to finish up here because I want us to have some prayer time. Now notice what Jesus said. Let me try to, let me try to wrap this up. Jesus said, in that, we're still in, in, in John 16, 23. 23 and 24, whatever, notice he says, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Ask and you might receive. <laughs> no, now, you know, let's just read it the way Jesus said it. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. Now, you know, that's a really, that's a powerful promise, isn't it? That's a powerful promise that he uses the word there, whatever you ask the Father, he says he will give it you. Whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Now, now listen, Now we know that that whatever has to be, of course, in line with the word of God, right? It has to be in line with the word of God. It must be the whatever there. It goes with, you know, it, it, it just, we just know for a fact that that whatever must be something that has been promised to us in Scripture and it must be according to God's will for our life because God will not violate His Word. Isn't that right? So when we say whatever, you know, it doesn't mean you say, well, okay, God, I want to be a millionaire. Make me a, give me all of Donald Trump's money or something, you know. That's not going to work. It's got to be something that's promised in the Word based on the promise of God and for God's will concerning your life. If you're praying scripturally based on the promises of God, now hear me, if you're praying scripturally based on the promises of God, then you can ask whatever you would that is in line with God's word and promises and he will answer you and will give you what you've asked for that's in line with his promise. Amen. I'm not making this up. We think, you know, we think, we've, we've thought about prayer, thought, well, we'll just shoot a prayer up there, and if I get an answer, I do, and if I don't, I don't. See, that's not the way you pray at all. Jesus said, ask the Father in my name, and, and he'll give you what you ask for. That's why we need to pray specific prayers and ask for specific things and, and claim the promises of God because God, listen, God wants to answer. The Father wants to answer your prayers. He wants to bless you. He wants to get... Jesus said, if you are evil and know how to give good things to your kids, how much more will your who? Heavenly Father give good things to them that ask. Amen. Hallelujah. 
John says, John the writer of that gospel says the very same thing in 1 John 5, 14. He says, this is the confidence we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, there it is. If we ask anything, now don't stop there. Somebody said, okay, ask anything. But notice, notice the qualifier. If we ask anything, what? According to his will, he hears us. His will is right here. It's found right here in this book. If we ask according to his will, he, he, he hears us. And we know that if he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have desired from him. So when we pray in line with God's word, when we pray in line with the promises, we don't have to pray. Listen, when you've got the promise promising you what you're asking for, you, you, when you're pray, you need to know the word when you pray, all right? When you've got the promise, you don't have to pray. And, and some people pray this every prayer they pray. Lord, do this or give me that, if it be your will. The only time that we're to pray an if it be your will prayer is when we're trying to find the will of God and don't know the will of God. Amen. When you can't find something that definitely promises you what you need and what you're asking for, then you have to say, Lord, I don't know for sure, but show me what your will is in this. And Lord, you know, if it's your will for me to go here, if it's your will for me to go there, if it's your will for me to be involved in this, ministry or teach this class or do this or do that I can't find a specific a specific promise that may promise me those specific things amen but I can find the will of God through prayer he'll show me he'll lead me but what I'm saying is when you when you find when you have a specific promise that promises you a specific thing then stand on the Word of God. Pray the Word of God. Pray His will. Amen? Do you know? Do you know? It is God's will. I'm going to say this. It, emphatically, it is the will of God for your lost family members to come to know Jesus and be saved. Glory be to God. It's His will. It's His will that not one be lost. It's His will that all come to repentance. Jesus died for everybody. That doctrine of Calvinism that, has, that says limited atonement is a false doctrine. Jesus died for the world, and it's whosoever will. Let him come and drink of the water of life freely. Oh, hallelujah. None of this, you know, foolishness about God's chosen some to be saved and some to be lost and nobody has a choice in it. God wants everybody, whoever will, to make the choice and come and find Jesus as Lord. And it's, your, it's God's will for your sons and your daughters and your grandchildren and your loved ones to come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. He wants them saved. Now their will and choice, their will and their choice plays a part in it, but he wants them saved. So you can pray for them. You don't have to say, Lord, pray, save my son if it's your will. No. You following me? If you ask anything according to his will, he hears you. I know it's his will for my family to be saved. He's promised those souls. Amen? T minus one minute and counting. 
<laughs> He's promised to bless us with all spiritual blessings. He's promised in His Word. Has God promised in His Word to supply your needs? Has He promised to be your provider? Has He promised us healing? Healing for our bodies? Is He, is he not the healer? Is he not the provider? Yes, he is. Has he, has he promised to provide for us financially and in every area of life? Did he not say that he would give us food and, and, and a place to live and clothes to wear? And wasn't it Jesus that said, the, the, the Gentiles are seeking after all these things. You don't have to worry about those things. Don't fret about those things. God, your heavenly Father, has, knows you have need of all these things, and he will take care of you. Was it not the psalmist David in the Old Covenant? said the Lord is my shepherd I shall not want well I'm telling you he's your shepherd today Jesus is your shepherd today and he will take care of you Woo! you can ask and receive what you have need of and Jesus said I'm closing I'm hushing I'm, I'm, I'm shutting up praise God Jesus said this ask and you shall receive. Listen, that's your joy maybe full. Do you know that when your prayers are answered, you have joy? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. When, when, when you got word that added grace, had no more fever, and, and those symptoms had left, did you have some joy, a little bit of joy maybe? There was a listen. Praise God, there's some joy. See, there's some joy there when the Lord answers a prayer. There's some joy there, isn't there? Yeah. Woo! And Jesus said that I, that's what the Father wants to do. The Father wants your joy to be full. And you know what? He, he, he longs to answer. See, we've got the idea that God is, is sitting up there in heaven playing hard to get. And he's sitting up there saying, well, you just keep begging. I may get do it for you or not. But no, see, he's your father. And the things that he has promised you, he wants to do. You're not trying to talk God into doing something that he don't want to do. He wants to do good things for you. No good thing would he withhold from those who walk uprightly before him. He wants to bless your life. He just wants you to come to him in the name of Jesus and ask him and believe him. We'll have to pick up here next Wednesday because I'm out of gas and out of time. Glory to God. Amen. Praise God. Let's stand to our feet tonight. Let's stand. Worship team, come on back. Praise God. He wants your joy to be full.